So welcome to our leadership series on the sofa with Angie. Today's special guest is Jessica Nordlander, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Thought Exchange. So Jessica, a very warm welcome. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you with us today. Um, so Jessica, you've been voted uh, Sweden's most innovative uh, leader in 2019, which is such a fantastic accomplishment. Um, could you share a little bit more about um, you know, the award and, and, and sort of what led you to becoming Sweden's most innovative uh, leader? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, some people, when when you I don't know when when you talk about this, they they think that it's because I invented something or because I was you know a particularly successful entrepreneur, and, and that's not really the case, right? Like what this award was about is about driving the kind of paradigm shifts within leadership, so driving innovation within leadership itself, and to me that has a lot to do with like you know, showing up differently as a leader and, and kind of reimagining what leadership needs to look like now and, and also in the future. So it came off of the back end of, um, I, was, uh, I was a chief digital officer for a very old Swedish company called SDS Education. It was founded in 1958. And, you know, they had many, many, many decades of, of uh, really great success. And then they were really struggling with their digital transformation. So I was the first uh, chief digital officer at, for that global group or, or in over 30 countries. And, and we drove a, kind of a digital transformation journey during a, a couple of years that you know, led to some really great results. And I think the main part of what, what, we, what I worked to change wasn't so much about technology. It was about you know, continuous learning. It was investment in, in your people. It was about talent. Like it was about a lot of the things that you, you associate with leadership. So, so the award came on the back end of, of uh, the work that I did there. Wow, it's such a great achievement as well and so early on in your career. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit more about sort of um, where you see the future of, of leadership uh, going. Um, you know, we've seen lots of examples in, in recent uh, months around the world uh, of sort of, you know, country leadership mm. and, and sort of we've seen some bad examples and some incredibly good examples. Um, where do you see the, the future of leadership? Yeah, I think that what leadership has been, been designed for for a very long time is, is leading for efficiency, right? Like, what, like if you look at, you know, decades of, of, of trying to reach economies of scale, a lot of, a lot of what, management, what management practices have been built around is, is you know, finding, finding efficiencies and, and getting the most out of your, your resources from kind of like an efficiency perspective. And that has gone, you know, that's been anything from kind of raw materials to to like to human resources, right? And I think that in a world where things are changing more and more, economies of scales and efficiency isn't gonna be the main things that may maintain your success into the future as an organization, right? It's gonna be people's creativity and, and, and the innovation that you can drive. And I think leading, managing for efficiency and managing for innovation and creativity are two completely different things. Right. Like it, it places completely different expectations uh, on leaders. And I also think that we have, you know, demographic changes that, that means that people are starting to reevaluate what they're looking for in a leader. And I, often it's about for me that the leader isn't the know it all person. Right. And I think that as leaders, we're somewhat 
pretty hard on ourselves too. Like we expect ourselves to be this person that knows it all and has all the answers. And we need to show up as, the, as these like strong people that knows exactly what to do in every single situation, right? Whereas that's not really true. If you're thinking about this from an innovations perspective, like no one really knows what happens when you embark on an innovation journey, right? Not leaders, not anyone. So how can, you know, I think that leadership will be a lot more about unlocking kind of people's creativity and, and people's curiosity about learning and, and those types of things rather than to like kind of trying to maximize your short-term resources. Uh, so those are, I guess, just some thoughts. And very relevant as well to today's environment. So um, because, we're, you know, diversity is a, a huge um, mm. sort of uh, focus area for many companies right now. Um, and there's been numerous studies showing, you know, the power of diversity of thinking on uh, innovation and mm. on profitability of companies. Um, where do you see um, the opportunity for specifically for women in leadership going? Yeah, I think I want to pick up on the first thing that you said there around, you know, um, like the opportunities for companies, like when it comes to, of course, diversity, but, but also inclusion, right? I think that we're, we're making pretty good strides on the diversity front, I feel, but I, I think that we're, we're not particularly good at inclusion. <laughs> so it, it means that like, even if you've hired, you know, a set of sort of people into your company that, that could be considered diverse hires, like you need to take steps to make sure that their perspectives can really be heard, right? And that those people feel heard and that you're able as a company to really benefit from what they're, the different perspectives that they're bringing to the table, right? And that's incredibly important in innovation. And I think that as a leader, like you're often responsible for resource allocation, right? And being able to innovate has so much to do with the access to resources that you need for innovation. It can be time, it can be money, it can be knowledge, support, like all of those things are resources that actually make it possible to innovate. And I think that we're, I don't think we're even at closely at, you know, some kind of equal distribution of the resources that it takes to innovate in our company. And I, I would think that we would need to address this as like, an, you know, rather than Run and try to achieve equity, you know, because a lot of women have really are often judged more, more harshly on their failures and innovating is about failing and failing and failing and failing over again until you actually find something that works. And I think that if we can, you know, have a more equitable approach to like how we extend kind of what I like to call like failure capital. I think that, you know, it will be much, much, much easier for women and, and also other minority groups to actually make progress when it comes to innovation. So I think that we need to, as leaders, we need to kind of rethink how we're distributing those resources and maybe think about it from, from an equity perspective that what's needed for these groups that have for so long, you know, not been allowed to fail. Like, how can we actually let them fail uh, to an extent where it's actually possible for them to succeed? Absolutely. And it's... Um... It's how do you actually embed that culture of innovation, but also, as you said, inclusion, equity, as well as diversity into organizational values mm. um, so that companies can really thrive, grow and innovate. Um, so I, I could uh, talk to you for, uh, for hours on this topic. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite topic. So me too. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm going to switch tack a little bit now and, um, because obviously there's, you know, there, there's been lots of steps that have led you to become Sweden's most uh, innovative leader. Um, and you've had a, 
a really fantastic career and you know going down to actually holding a, a PL at age 25 for uh, for Meltwater. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your journey at uh, Meltwater and, and sort of you know how you were you managed to become a managing director at you know at such a, a young um, age. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. I think those those I, I love talking about those kind of early years of my career because I, I really believe that they've kind of set the foundation for for what I've been able to achieve since then. So when I came out of university, I, I studied marketing. So I have a, a business degree and, and focus on marketing. And I remember telling my dad, who's He's a bit of an entrepreneur, like not, not anything big, but he was always tinkering around with kind of his own ideas and his own little companies. And I remember telling him that I wanted to be a marketing manager, that like that was what I wanted to be when I came out of university, or I wanted to start my own company. And my dad looked at me and he was like, you've never sold anything in your life. Like, how are you going to work with marketing? You know nothing about sales. And how are you going to start your own company? You know nothing about sales. So I guess I, I realized that I'd never really sold anything. So I applied for my first job at Meltwater, which was you know, a pretty small SaaS company at the time. And uh, I got my first kind of entry level sales job with you know, a lot of cold calling, a lot of kind of you know, late nights, just trying to get a hold of prospects and, and things like that. And Meltwater had this fantastic internal focus on talent, right? And growing and developing people. So every single one of the promotions to kind of managing directors and, and area directors and, and things like that happened through internal promotion. So it looked less at, you know, your, your actual numbers of years of experience, but more on your potential and what you'd been able to achieve uh, at Meltwater. So uh, I was promoted through the ranks of kind of sales rep and sales manager, and then to managing director of our Stockholm office uh, really quickly. And then we did some incredible results there and, and kind of turned that office around from, from really, really struggling to, to being super successful. And then one day I was asked if I wanted to become the managing director of our Dubai office that caters to the Middle East and, and North African markets. And, you know, my mind was blown. Like I'd never, and I was 26 at the time, like I'd never been there. I, I couldn't speak, I, I don't speak Arabic. You know, we, we, did, we, didn't have any, we hadn't had any female managing directors of, of Meltwater News in, in the, uh, Dubai before. So it was, you know, I was mind blown by the opportunity that I was given to try something that I had no idea if I could do. And, you know, I, I spent a couple of years in the Middle East and then uh, I, I was also after that transferred to Vancouver to, to open the Vancouver office. And I think when I think back at that time, like it, it taught me so much around being able to try things that you actually have no idea if you're going to be able to do. And I think that this is what's stopping a lot of women in their career, I think because we want to be certain that we can do something since we're since we're judged so harshly when we fail we want to be certain that we can do it and we want to be certain that we can be successful before we take something on right and i think that what this taught me was that i had no idea if i was going to be successful in dubai but i still got the opportunity like i still was encouraged to try it and to see if it would actually work and i think that that's something that i've really taken with me through the rest of my career as well and that's such a, an inspirational story as well and, and really showing that you can take risks and take on something completely new and outside of, you know, your comfort zone and, you know, historical area of expertise and really make it work. Mm. Um, so as a sort of final question, um, what advice would you give to other women um, who, uh, who may have these opportunities but may hesitate in, in taking them? Yeah. I think it's, it's an interesting question because I tend to be a bit careful with, with like, just really trying to like, you know, 
push over all the responsibility on kind of women to, you know, to, to create change because often we are making these kind of like lower risk decisions for good reasons, right? Because still it is the case that we will be judged more harshly if we fall, if we fail. That, that's, that's the reality, right? And I think that that's been proven in numerous kind of, you know, research studies as well, that that's the fact. So I guess that. I guess that maybe it's as an advice for women, but I think also it's probably the advice to people that work with women as, as much to actually put your hand up for, for the difficult things that, that kind of comes like your way, right? And, and to be able to kind of give women the opportunity and the benefit of the doubt when they take on things that, that they haven't done before or things that are really, really hard. So that was one of the, that's one of the best advice I've ever been given in my career to kind of like when, when you see a really big, hairy problem and something that looks really difficult to solve, even if you don't know how to do it, put your hand up and, 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 and give it a shot, right? So I guess that that's my advice to women. And then I think my advice to people that, you know, are trying to help women uh, further their careers is to extend some, some benefit of the doubt to situations where, where women are, are kind of leaning into those more kind of high risk uh, situations. Absolutely. And um, as we've sort of heard, it's in those moments of discomfort and in those moments where, you know, you, you know, those unknown moments that the greatest mm. growth uh, and transformation happens. Absolutely. 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 Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today, Jessica. Thank you so much. You've been a, a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. Thank you.